Amen. Please be seated. Please be seated. Give a big hand to God and to the team for leading us into the worship. Yes. Isn't it wonderful to be in the house of the Lord? It's amazing to be. How many of you feel like the Spirit of the Lord touched you this morning? Yes, yes. Um, as we are getting ready uh, to receive the Word of God, um, I would like you to focus your attention to the Holy Spirit and also uh, allow Him to speak to you. Right? Because God has been speaking to me this week, and I'm very excited to be here. So we, we have been doing, if you're new today, by the way, if you're new, we want to welcome you. Yes, we will give them a big hand. Yeah. So we are doing a series, Live Like Jesus. Okay? This is the fifth one. If you missed it, uh, go to our Facebook page, Santa Clara First Baptist Church, or our website. It's really a powerful series that the Spirit of the Lord is moving and speaking. And uh, we're at the fifth series, and it would make a lot of sense if you had followed the fourth series. Because we're getting here at a point, at the midpoint, about how to live like Christ. So when you have time, uh, please do that. Um, and it will give you great encouragement. Today, we are uh, going to uh, study from John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And uh, um, it's the conversation that Jesus and Nicodemus had. And so John chapter 3. And from 1 to uh, 17. But John chapter 3 verse 16. We all kind of know uh, that verse, for God so loved the world right, uh, so you know that word you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life this conversation this statement was a response do the question that Nicodemus asked. And we're going to look at that today. How Jesus responded with this historical statement. A breakthrough for humanity. And we're going to look at this statement this morning. Um, I, was, I was reading again on Steve Jobs. Uh, and his last statement when he was on his dead, sick bed, that the, the few last words that he said were like, wow, 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 and wow. And that he seemed to see a light uh, calling him, beckoning him. Um, and then you will see that people are writing as a fact check because, we, you know, the fact check is so popular now that he never said that that this was not part of his statement. It was untrue. Uh, and I was looking at why people were fascinated by the last statement of Steve Jobs about seeing the light and saying, wow, wow, wow. And uh, this is the crux of uh, civilization in all over the world. Every civilization has searched for immortality. Okay? Whether it's the Chinese civilization whether it's the Sumerian civilization, whether it's the Indus Valley civilization, uh, 
every civilization, even in the medieval time, they have always looked for immortality. So it's the elixir, it's the soma drink, uh, you know, uh, and you're looking for immortality. Even now in Silicon Valley civilization, which we are now, we are also looking for immortality. So immortality has captivated and grabs the heart of man. Why is it? It's because God designed us and created us that we will live or we were supposed to live eternally. That we were created that we will live eternally. Eternal life was the design of God. How did we get to this point? It is because Satan, whose goal, whose ambition, whose end is death, came to humankind and told a lie. And humanity, Adam and Eve, fell to the lie and temptation of Satan. And that's how death came in. To the world. That was not the original design. The original design for all of us is that we will live eternally. We will be immortal. This is the reason why even when you don't know God, your soul knows. And your soul is searching for immortality. Whether you know God, whether you have religion or no religion, your soul is searching for immortality. So throughout the civilization of the world, of humanity and humankind. Mankind, humankind, has looked and searched for immortality. Right? You go and read. I'm a, I'm a student. I'm a historian. I was a historian before I came into ministry and theology. And we look at these things. Great writings on the search for immortality. Right? So... Even great men look for immortality. It captivates people. So my wife and we were with uh, Karen Thor at Apple. Uh, and uh, she gave an access for us to get into the building and the tour around the building. This is a compelling place. Right? I mean, this, this happened because of compelling ideas. And it happened because of compelling visions. And Christ has compelling vision in and design for our lives. And we have people like Karen, who is our board member, that are placed in strategic places that they can make a difference and impact where they are and impact locally and globally. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord that raises Jesus from the dead dwells within them. So today, Santa Clara First Baptist Church, there are a lot of people that work here in tech industries. If you're working in tech industries, can you please stand up where you are uh, just quickly? Yes. And give them a hand. Give them a hand, right? Yes. Give them a hand. Please see that. Yes. Now, I want us to pray for them. I want us to pray for them that they can make an impact where they are. That can, they can change the world where they live because they are leading many people that the Holy Spirit will empower them. The Holy Spirit will empower them to make people find the purpose of why they are here and why they were created. Right? Can we do that, Santa Clara First Baptist Church? Yes. So as I was preparing this sermon, I went out uh, uh, before I come to this thing, uh, last Sunday after the sermon, 
I was standing here and praying with people, and uh, the Spirit of the Lord was moving, and uh, people were freely experiencing the movement of God in joy, in tears, in praying. And as I, as I go out, I met a young couple. And they want to talk because they have had this conversation on the, uh, the women with the, uh, the blood issue for 12 years. As, as I was talking in the middle of the conversation, I found out that this young woman was a Muslim. Right? And uh, she had turned to him and asked, uh, why do you worship your God? Why do you worship your God? So I want to ask you this morning, why are you here? Why are you here? And why do you worship your God? The fifth in the series is life, new life. Be articulate, right? Be an articulate advocate, advocate and ambassador for Christ. That's the sermon. Be an articulate advocate and ambassador for Christ. So the question that I want to ask you this morning is, why do you worship your God? Please tell me. Amen. Right? He loves us. Okay. Now, why I ask this question is, if you have not sat down, thought through, or written it down, you will not be able to articulate it. You will not be able to articulate it. And when you cannot articulate your faith intelligently, how will people be attracted to Christ? This is serious. This is so important, Santa Clara First Baptist Church. If you're going to make impact in your special influence in the people that are around you, I pray and plead with you in the name of Jesus that you allow the Holy Spirit to let you articulate your faith that is compelling and contagious to other people. Right? So this morning, we're going to look at the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. And then I will overlay it with the conversation that I had with a Chinese-born American who moved from Singapore, who was not a believer, who was an atheist. And let's see how this articulating faith works together. Right? So you have to follow me with the story I will pause and resume and pause and resume, okay? Right? So you ready? Yes, we're ready. So uh, um, the Word of God says here, there was a man named, there was a man of the Pharisee named Nicodemus. He came by the night, John chapter 1. He came at night. And there was a man, a Pharisee, Named Nicodemus. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi. 
the first thing in terms of this life de-articulate is you should know how to articulate your condition. Okay? You should know how to articulate your condition. What was the condition of Nicodemus? He came by night, a Pharisee, a ruler of a Jew, came by night to Jesus Christ. It speaks about the condition of whom? Of Nicodemus, that Jesus has something that he doesn't have. Because this guy is a ruler. This guy is respected. This guy has wealth, status. This guy has knowledge. Right? This guy is very spiritual. But he is coming. I had a, uh, I had a brief conversation this morning. And uh, one of the friends told one of our members, I want to give up my life. I don't want to live anymore. Right? And this guy has read through the Bible three times. Okay? And I talked to him, I'm going to preach this sermon today. And I hope your friend doesn't think that we have talked and we are preaching this. But I'm telling you, Bible knowledge is not enough for you to enter the kingdom of God. Right? This guy is a Bible study teacher. This guy is a Bible scholar. This guy has wealth of information. But that was not enough. And he is coming to Jesus Christ by night. Because Jesus has something he doesn't have. Amen. So, this guy, this Chinese-born American guy, engineer, senior engineer, very smart, cloud engineer, he had a good life in Singapore, wealthy guy, big house. They decided to move to America. I met him in the lobby, our church lobby. And in the brief conversation, as we go into a few sentences, he started sharing to me his personal pain. And I'm thinking, this is way deep, too deep to have a conversation at the lobby when people are going by. And there are other people that I am greeting and shaking hands. And he's almost in tears and uh, he said, can I come and see you in the office? And I said, yes, let's talk in the office. Because he was talking about uh, his job. He was talking about his family. He's talking about his two daughters. By the way, I took permission from him to talk about this. He was really in pain. Right? He was really in pain. Um, so he came, uh, he came to the office. The next day, we had an appointment, and he came to the office, and we had this conversation. And I want you to wait on the conversation, right? I will share to you. But the condition now, you know, he's coming because he needs help. He's a smart guy. Very wealthy guy before. Now he's looking for something. To me, his pastor that is lacking in everything. He wants to come and talk to the pastor about life. See, Nicodemus said to him, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Unless God is with him. My friends, 
recognition of your spiritual condition is a necessity for regeneration. What is regeneration? It means to heal the injury that we have. What was our injury? Death was our injury. Sin causes death to us. Our soul, spirit were injured by death, by sin. So we need to regenerate, to heal from the injury. And to heal from the injury, to regenerate for a renewal of our life, what do we need? Recognition of our spiritual condition that Christ has something that I don't have. That pastor can share to me something that I'm looking for. That is required. That is a necessity for regeneration. Unless somebody recognizes that they need God and they need something else other than what they are having right now. Regeneration is hard to happen. No one is exempted from the necessity for regeneration. Your academic degree and knowledge does not exempt you from needing regeneration, needing Christ. It cannot save you. It cannot enable you to enter the kingdom of God. Your wealth, your academic degree, your experiences, wherever you have been, whatever accomplishment you have made in this world, cannot enable you to get into the kingdom of God. This is where we are. This is where we are. Regeneration applies to the entire human race. It applies to the kings and queens. It applies to the farmers. It applies to the common man. It applies to me, your pastor. It applies to the president and the governor. It applies to everyone. Regeneration applies to all human races. And he said, no one can do these signs. What is that signs? Let's look at it. Jesus had provoked the people already because he had claimed the messianic authority of the temple. So the religious rulers were provoked and they were very angry and they were going after his life at this time when this conversation was happening. Okay, this is the context. This obscure Galilean peasant this obscure Galilean carpenter had turned the water into wine. Okay? And people are noticing him in the public eye. And they are turning and looking and talking to one another. Is that the obscure uh, Galilean who had turned the water into wine? Is that the obscure Galilean who said that he will build the temple in three days. Destroy and build the temple in three days. He has claimed the messianic authority of the temple and they won his life. And they won his life. It was during this time that Nicodemus came by night. Because, you know, my friends, many of the spiritual awakenings happen at night. Have you noticed that? That you have not been able to sleep sometimes. It didn't happen before. But around 2, 3 a.m. or 5 a.m., you can't sleep. You are awake. And there's something. And you don't know what's happening. It could be that there is a spiritual awakening happening. And you will pay attention to what the Spirit is doing. And you go to Jesus and say, Rabbi, by night. And ask your question. So that regeneration can happen. Did you, didn't you feel that? And this month, you've been feeling a lot. As we do this sermon, the Spirit's been 
talking to you. No one can do these signs unless God is with him. Here, another thing is that unless one is born again, you cannot, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We have to articulate our conviction. Okay? We have to articulate our conviction. The word rabbi, let me talk about this. The word rabbi means teacher. Okay, who is the teacher? Nicodemus is supposed to be the teacher. Supposed to be the rabbi. He's coming to Christ, not recognized by other Pharisees, a rabbi. He came and said, Rabbi, this speaks about the conviction in Nicodemus' heart that Jesus is a true rabbi. How do we know this? When you go to John chapter 1 and start reading from John chapter 1, verse 19 onwards, you see, when John the Baptist was baptizing a lot of people and his name was getting popular, what did the Pharisees in Jerusalem do? Do you know what they did? They sent a commission of Levites and priests to go and credential John the Baptist. Right? So this delegation of priests and Levites went to John, went to John the Baptist so they will scrutinize his credentials. And they asked him questions. And John the Baptist said, no, I'm not the Christ. Then are you the Elijah? No, no, no. You know, these questions back and forth is going. But the one greater than me is coming whose sandal strap. I'm unworthy to do. Right? The Christ is coming. And so, these Nicodemus have set through this commission report of John the Baptist. And they've scrutinized him. And in that report, Nicodemus was convicted that Jesus is truly from God. See? That is why he is going and saying, Rabbi, unless one is from God, all these signs that you have done, you cannot do. So coming back to my friend, this Chinese-born guy, he came to my office and he said to me, my wife died last year. My wife did not like my daughter's boyfriend. So when they were arguing, they have done this argument quite a bit. When they were arguing, my wife had a heart attack and she died. And like, I am awake now, right? I am awake. And she said, and he said, I am having difficult time to take care of my two daughters because my wife has taken care of them all, day, all, all, all our lives. Second thing, three months later, fast forward, I have lost my company that I started here in Silicon Valley. And I have enough to last two to three months and I need to get a job. He lost his wife. He's struggling to take care of his two daughters. He lost his company that he started, that they uprooted their life from Singapore. What can your pastor say? You know, what am I supposed to say? I was going around shopping yesterday and there were some Christians handing out this pamphlet. And it says, never implant RFID chip in your body, hand or forehand. RFID chip equals 666, the mark of the beast. 
I should have given to him. This is what we do. This is what we're doing at the church as Christians. When people come and say, my, my wife died. My daughters are struggling. I have lost my job. We tell them, you're a sinner. If you don't come to Jesus Christ, you will go to hell, which may be true. But that's not the way to live like Jesus. That's not the way to live like Jesus. And we should never do this at Santa Clara First Baptist Church. What you should do, I want you to respond with love and compassion to this man and cry with him. And cry with him. I want you to cry with him. At that time, I was asking, Lord, what shall I do? What shall I do? And the Lord gave me some words from the scripture in Psalm 28. Starting from verse 6. Onwards, that how God will help them. And I said, go and read with this, uh, with your daughters. And when God intervened, they will know that our God is alive. I thought that he was a Christian. You know? I thought that he was a Christian because he came to church. He came to church. Um, but there was a different story, and I will pause there and come back. Okay? I will pause there. I thought he was a Christian, but there is a different story there. So pause. So here, conviction is a necessity for regeneration. Christ was convicted that the world needs him. Nicodemus was convicted that Jesus was a rabbi and he has something that he doesn't have. This guy, my friends, need a conviction like Nicodemus. And I'm praying to God to articulate this to him. You see the point where we are? So regeneration is what? A birth from above by the Holy Spirit. That is regeneration. So Christ gave a simple metaphor to Nicodemus and said, uh, you, must, you must be born again. See, the problem is when people have vast knowledge and when they are rich and mighty, uh, even the simplest metaphor becomes so complicated. It wasn't very hard to understand that this was supposed to be a spiritual birth. But Nicodemus could not understand this simplest metaphor that Christ has given. Just as he gave to the Good Samaritan woman, Oh, if you know the water that I will give. This is my body. This is my blood. You do it in remembrance of me. Right? These things are discerned spiritually. This is my body. We are not eating the flesh of Christ. This is my blood. We are not drinking the blood of Christ. But this is discerned spiritually. It's a metaphor that can be understood by those who are in the Spirit. Do you hear me? Right. That which is of the Spirit is Spirit. And we're talking about spiritual things this morning. You must be born again. You know, Christ did not say, oh, you have experience, academic degree, Pharisee, ruler, fasted, you have given tithes. Oh, yeah, you're qualified. Go in the kingdom of God. No. And he didn't make any excuse. He wasn't excuse. He was not pandering to Nicodemus. He just simply turned to him and said, you must be born again. Just like in an honesty of a fisherman. Like the disciple. You must be born again. See, articulate your confession. 
articulate your confession. So, coming back to my friend here. Uh, then he went back. I prayed for him. This is one of the things that our church had done because now um, he was struggling. I know we're struggling. So we talk at the staff and say, hey, church, what can we do? How can we support our friend? And we say, let's do something for him. So in the name of the church, we did something for him, right? That includes the, ba- the physical need in this world. And we did something for him, and he was grateful. On that day, he was grateful. We provided for him and his daughters and things like that. We did at the church, and we sent him up. Now, after a while, I haven't seen him a while, so I sent an email and say, how are you doing? How's the interview for job coming? So I've been interviewing since March, and I haven't had any offer. Every, I have had so many interviews since March. Some interviews are like four or five interviews, but he hasn't got a job. And he wrote to me and said, Pastor, my life is worse than death. Wow, where is this coming from? My life is worse than death. I am, can we meet? He said, yes, I can come to you in 25 minutes. And he came here in 25 minutes and he said, I have taken out loans and I'm living Cupertino with the loans. And this is just crazy for me. This, my life is worse than death. And why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? And I'm lost for words. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to give me. Oh, Holy Spirit, please help me. This, this man that is lacking, I need to be your tone. I need to be your face. I need to have a message from you. I'm praying, I'm praying. And he's saying, you know, I don't, I'm not a Christian. I didn't believe in God. You know, he, they came from an atheist communist background, right? And uh, it's just praying and asking God, I have to do something. That God is real. I've been preaching on this pulpit that God is real. He intervened in people's life. And here, I'm praying. And suddenly he said, he said a statement, I dream about God. God came to his dream. Can you imagine? This guy who doesn't believe in God, who is not a Christian, God came to his dream to say that he is the true God. And he saw this just marvelous, wonderful thing. And he had this great experience. But that was 20 years ago. I was revived, my friends. I was it's like a boost of energy. And I'm thanking the Holy Spirit. And I turned to Romans chapter 10. Started the reading scripture. About God and Christ and salvation, about love. We talk about love. And you know, if you confess in your heart and believe in this salvation story. Now, I'm able to do this. Why? Because I have looked, I have listened, I have learned, see the step, and I have lived. This is the fifth. This is the midsection, like two, three years kind of investment. You're not going cold turkey, gospel pushing down immediately when you meet somebody. I have looked where he come from. I have listened to his stories. We have shared emails. We have prayed and cried uh, over certain things. And uh, I have shared compassion from our church. So this is like the fifth. I am ready to give the word of Christ. So I read from the scripture on the salvation plan that Christ died. 
He was buried. He rose again. And, and the blood of Jesus Christ transfuses in us to give us new life. We can't have life apart from Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he looked at me after this long conversation and he said, you know, I kind of believe that he is God. Uh, there is a God. And I'm like, okay, there is a God. I've made one step now from no God, no Christian. To, I kind of believe there is a God. And then he started talking about that his wife was a Christian. That his wife has talked to him about Christianity and she was a faithful churchgoer. And then we talk about Jesus. And I made uh, one final presentation after sharing the compassion, that love that God has for him, that he cares for him, that he will not forsake him. He said, I present to you Jesus Christ. Would you like to give him a chance in your life when everything, when all things else have failed here? He looked at me and I'm praying. There is a talk of war I know. And he said, Yes, I'll do it. This was in my office. And he stood up from that chair. And uh, it was, the joy was immediate. I mean, it was, it was electrifying. You should have been there in my office. And it was physical. It was emotional, spiritual, and physical. You know what he did? He's like this, and he is... <gasps> You can hear the breath in the office. And I stood up and I did my, like, dance, you know. Ooh. I did. I literally did. And he's looking at me. And the, it's okay. I'm dancing here. This is just amazing. And we high-fived and we hugged. And he's still breathing so hard. And he looked at me and said, Pastor, the pain is still there. It's not gone. All of it is not gone. But something is different. Something is different. Something has changed. How can a man be born again when he is old? That which is born of the flesh is the flesh, and which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The wind blows where it wishes. Jesus made it practical. Nicodemus must have come in the night and must have felt the wind on his face. Maybe they hear the wind even outside. And he said, you see the wind? Yeah, I, I felt the wind. I know where, how it blows because I can feel it in my skin, in my body. The Holy Spirit's like that. It's not that complicated. He makes it practical. The Word of God make it practical for this guy on that day. And we prayed. And then we have some package that we gathered for his family and sent him off again from our church. You know why? Because this church, the best thing, one of the best things we do is hospitality. Do you know that? Loving people. Love them to death. Don't hate. Don't do these things. Don't go around and do these things unless you know them. You can do this when you pray and when you know you love them. Right? So, repentance to God is a necessity for regeneration. This guy is repenting that he needs Jesus. Believe in Jesus and not on your own merit. A lot of people are saying, why should I, believe, why should I depend on another person's merit? I will rely on my own accomplishment. Do you know why Nicodemus was finding it difficult? Because he could fast. 
He could give tithes. He could teach. He's a Bible scholar. He can do all these things. And he's trying to find a way into the kingdom of God by his own merit and accomplishment. It was very hard for him to rely on the Lord Jesus Christ because he has done it his way all his life. And many of us are sitting here, left brain people, right brain people, you got to earn it on your own, right? You don't want to rely on anybody. What Christ has done is, doesn't seem to be good enough for you. I'm letting you know, Christ is enough. His love is enough. He is enough. He really is. He's enough for us. Articulate your conversion. We speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That which is born is of the Spirit. Articulate your conversion. Articulate your commitment. Christ is saying, I have to die for you. I have to be crucified. Crucifixion is a necessity for regeneration. There is no other way. He is convicted and he is committed to that. We also need the conversion experience. There is no other way other than the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There can be no conversion in our life or regeneration without going through the crucifixion, the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way that can cleanse you without the blood of Jesus Christ. It's only the blood of Jesus. This is the truth. This is the truth that is hard, that can be a simplest metaphor for people in the world because the knowledge of the spiritual things are a folly to the carnal mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. 1 Corinthians, I mean, sorry. And these spiritual things are discerned spiritually, my friends. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life or did not come to send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through Him might be saved. My friends, conversion. Articulate your commitment. We know the one who came by night, Nicodemus, who first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing mixture of myrrh and aloes, about the hundred pounds, when Jesus was taken down from the cross, John 19. We know that he was converted because of the compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ. When everyone has abandoned the Lord Jesus, it was Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus that was there. They were there. The life of Nicodemus was changed. Your wealth, your status, your academic degree, your whatever power that you have is not giving you peace. Your marriage is struggling. And the secret to your marriage is Jesus Christ. Your relationship is struggling. The secret to your relationship is Jesus Christ. You're struggling financially, my friends. The secret to it is the Lord Jesus Christ. The secret to being a good student is Jesus Christ. There is no other secret. It is the beauty of the cross. It is the blood of Jesus Christ. It is the name of Jesus Christ that can heal us from our brokenness and broken humanity and broken church. You and I, we need Jesus. You and I, we need Jesus. And this is the witness, the witness, the greatest witness 
in the history of humanity yet this Jesus came and he died for us on the cross that there is no other way there is no other truth in life without the Lord Jesus Christ this is the witness today you know that this past I'm going to ask the worship team this past two three weeks the sermon's been a little longer But I'm riding with the Spirit. Because there are people that need. And that God has sent here. And those regulars that are here. I pray that you will be patient with me. As I plead and appeal to them. In the name of Jesus Christ to enter the kingdom of God. Can you do that with me? And thank you for doing that with me.